Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, hello. I like your special little robe. Thank you. I feel like you need one of these. Is it Tekla? Yeah, it's a little Tekla robe. Why do they have such a distinctive stripe? I know. Very comfortable and gorgeous. Um, They also, as a hot tip, always go on sale on Essence. There's always really Really? good Tekla sales on Essence. Yeah. Well, whenever Essence does, like, their big sale. They'll have really good pajamas in it and the robes, etc., etc. I feel like you definitely need one of these. It screams Grace O'Neill. I need one. Our house is like such a sad state of affairs because we have one towel and a bath mat, and both are like disgusting <laughs> because they're like the fake tan towel, the like Zach's hair towel. At your house. We don't know where the second towel went, and we've kind of not had a moment <laughs> to like check in with each other. And then what we got stumped on, which I need to hear your thoughts on, is like we're looking at Tekla towels, and then I was like, you want the white ones because they look the nicest, but then they're going to get dirty and look gross. So we should get a dark towel. But then I was like, I don't want like a dark forest green towel in my house. And now I don't know. I don't want a gray towel. Yeah. I feel like (laughs) this is a hard one. I feel like white towels do are just so impractical, but it's like we do have white sheets and they're, they're fine. But I guess towels are a bit more. I need to take a photo because we got the Tekla sheets as well and our pillowcases one is like the bright white color and one is like a dark and disturbing gray and it's zach puts overnight conditioner on his giant head of hair and leaves it on without like a bonnet (laughs) and it's just turned his pillowcase like a disgusting color no what i like about tickler (laughs) sounds like we're doing a tickler i know (laughs) I wish they'd give us free shit. What I like about <laughs> Tickler or um, there's actually a really, another really cool towel brand that I can't remember what it's called. Is it called Bana? Bana? And it's sustainable. Um, Let me find it because I feel like 
It's oh Bainer, Bainer, B A I N A. So I have, I think you'd like Bainer as well. But what I love about Bainer and Tekla towels is that they um are, are colorful. Like that's Tekla's whole thing is the really cool colorful bedspreads and towels and stuff. So I think what you should do is. I mean, we leaned into it in too much of an intense way at my house in London (laughs) and got hot pink bedspread. Hot, like it looked, honestly, I think, Grace, if you saw it on the website verse, what it looks like in reality, it looks like a kind of muted pink, not that dark pink. I haven't seen the bedspread, but I've seen the towels. And I yeah. li- I liked the towels. I thought they were ballsy and audacious and, and very cool. And it made me feel like a sad little beige <laughs> loser. <laughs> no. Chuk. Maybe it's maybe the answer's a stripe. Yes. So that's what I think the answer is with Tekla is getting either stripes or checks. Like they're so yeah. cute. You need to get the blue with the white stripe towels. Or just the stri- similar stripe to this. It's really nice. That your 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 robe is reminding me of something someone said about succession which is that tom logan always wears stripes this is nothing to do with the episode this week okay (laughs) logan always wears suits with really thin pinstripes and tom always wears suits with like fat pinstripes and that's to show that he was brought up poor (laughs) my god (laughs) but you've got very thin stripes on this towel Yes. A, a, what do they call it? A stealth wealth robe. Yeah. I love the little checkered Bainer ones. They're really cute. And they're pretty well priced and sustainable, which is great. Yeah. I'm like, I'm really liking these. In my home, I have, I only have, actually, I only have Bainer towels, but I have Tekla sheets again. So nice. Except I got white ones because I got a red rug. Did I tell you that? No, I love the sound of that. There's a big red rug in my bedroom underneath my bed. And I thought that was going to be so fun and so silly. And then realized that now the only thing, the only option is white sheets forever. Because any other (laughs) sheet looks weird. And I quite liked the idea of having a fun set of sheets. You do have to clean them more or you feel disgusting, but it's probably a good thing. Well, yeah. Especially with me falling over <laughs> on the concrete. I was like going to wash them every day. Oh, yeah. Jano. I know. Um, what's been happening in your world? Um, I got to France yesterday and we landed at quite late at night and the only thing open was five guys to get Uber Eats. And I was really excited and I ordered it and I don't know what I did, but it came and I took it out of the bag. And I was like to Zach, they serve burgers in a tinfoil tray here. And he was like, what? And then I opened it and I ordered them both without bread. What? <laughs> so it was like a tinfoil tray with like a burger patty, a slice of cheese, <laughs> a pile of, of fresh onions. And like for Zach, a slice of tomato and some lettuce. How did you do that? That feels very French. A deconstructed it's disgusting. Burger. Who would ever ask for a bur- I know it's like a protein guy, gym guy thing to do, but I accidentally hit it while tapping extras because I just didn't know. And I was like, it shouldn't be that easy to get a cheeseburger without bread. They should ask you like four times. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure? Like when you're trying to cancel your Amazon and Audible subscription? Yeah. <laughs> 
literally and then we just sat zach was so angry at me and we just sat it was like a, it was like a prison meal it was so disgusting remember when you ordered us thai and you forgot to order the rice yes i got in trouble for so much of this shit i remember once i ordered curry and forgot to get naan so my mum like actually lost her shit at me it was really funny <laughs> yeah what the fuck is wrong with you but that's that's reasonable (laughs) it's unacceptable that's your ADD how are you what's happening in California did a little road trip to San Francisco which for anybody listening and to you nobody calls it San Fran do not call it San Fran (laughs) where did that come from why do we say well, it San obviously Fran? rhymes and I guess people used to call it that, but it's like very not okay. <laughs> they hate it. You're embarrassing. Do not call it San Fran. It's SF if you're going to shorten it. Did you call it San Fran to someone? I call it San Fran all the time. It just blurts out of my mouth. I can't not. I'm like San Fran, San Fran. <laughs> it's SF or San Francisco. That's it. SF. I don't believe it. Just call it San Francisco. SF could mean so many things. Like what? Like this. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I um did a road trip up there. Got really bored of driving within about an hour. So I forced my boyfriend to drive the whole way and then haven't heard the end of it. And yeah, I romanticize road trips because I don't have my license. Yeah, yeah, it's so, so fun when you're fun. in the passenger seat and you're just yeah. like a little sing along. I was like, let's play Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> There's no stakes as a passenger and you can fall asleep. Yeah, I, I don't do that. I think I think people who, who know how to drive have better etiquette than people who don't as a passenger. <laughs> because I wouldn't That's I basically so like wouldn't fall asleep because I'd feel too bad. I also try to stay off my phone. Although yesterday I got caught in a shopping spiral for about an hour. I thought I put my head down for like five minutes. And then he was like, it's been look up and it's four days. <laughs> yeah, we've finished the trip and we're heading home. And I'm like still purchasing the boots. And yeah, I mean, it, it's nice. San Francisco is hard because it's similar to LA. It's just kind of like really sad because there's so much poverty and homelessness um and it's just gotten worse over the years so it's like yeah it's a it's a beautiful city in so many parts but it's also an intense city i've heard that like much like la post-covid have we ever talked about this like why it's so much worse post-covid and how all these states basically um during covid lockdowns like paid their homeless population paid their homeless population like for a Greyhound ticket for them to just go to California because they said basically um, there's this disease, it's cold outside in our state, you're better off being somewhere sunny. And basically there was just this extreme influx of like the homeless, especially, I mean, just homeless people. It's usually more men than women arrived at the same time, mainly in San Fran, but San Fran and California. And they, they've literally – um, I just said San Fran. I'm sorry. I know. It just it rolls off the tongue. <laughs> I feel like, why do we feel like, I, why do I feel like I'm a local saying it? Like, oh, San Fran. <laughs> I know. 
that's troubling. But yeah, all these people arrived in SF and basically erected like a tent city that is tens of thousands of people and there's just no mental health infrastructure. There's no, there's no system for coping with it and it's just created this obscene. Yeah, it's, it's so sad. It's also obviously, um, I guess this makes sense, but I think it just like um, – pays to note here that the reason that it's so much more kind of intense and dangerous and like prominent than anywhere else in the world is because of the healthcare system here. And because people who have mental health issues that could, they could otherwise likely get treated and likely be okay and continue being a functioning member of society in other countries where they can get help. They can't get that here. So it's like, you can go so quickly from mm. just from living a normal life to being unhoused. And that's the sad part about it. And that's why so many of the people you see here are, look so much more mentally unwell than unhoused people in other countries. It's just, yeah. It's fucked. I always remember when I was in LA like years ago, like 10 years ago, I was riding a bus and got talking to this guy. Um, he must have been in his 40s or 50s. He ha- kind of had to sit with his leg out in the aisle and he basically just explained to me that he'd been a cab driver in whatever 20 years earlier in his 20s or 30s had a car crash that wasn't his fault didn't have health insurance or insurance for his car his leg was mangled and basically he couldn't afford he was like bankrupted by the medical care it just required to look after him in the aftermath of the accident he didn't have insurance or enough money to get the leg fixed so he couldn't drive. He lost his car because of the um, – he didn't have insurance to fix his car. And basically just then it was this descent into homelessness because he couldn't do other work. He wasn't subsidized by the government. And you talk to him and he's just this, like, lovely, relatable uh, man who is, yeah, experiencing homelessness through something that is not his fault in any way. And I just remember being like – America is just – a mess with that shit like the knock-on effect of that many micro things happening on a macro level is just fucking insane yeah and it's also from the outside you could be quick to just be like well he should have had health care health here is so expensive for me to have yeah. like basically the minimum health care it's 300 i think i mean 380 us dollars a month and oh that's not including God. dental or car insurance so I have car insurance yeah. on top of that, which is another like 200 and then dental on top of that. So it's just like if you're a cab driver, you you literally can't afford to pay rent and have health insurance. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's ah. nuts. Nuts. Um, um. <laughs> um. <laughs> Speaking of someone who has had a heap of misfortune placed upon him. I saw a little <laughs> life on the weekend. <laughs> yes. The play. I went with a couple of girlfriends and uh, we had a spare ticket at the last minute. And so I posted on Instagram about it. And an AWD girly who just moved to London came, which was really oh, precious. Oh, so gorgeous. Shout out to Sash. It was very, very cute and depressing. <laughs> it was like such a weird way to meet someone for the first time because yeah. you're like sitting in close proximity to this hideous thing um but the the play i assume a chunk of people listening have read it 
we won't talk about it for too long, but um, it was three hours and 40 minutes long and it was a fucking grim slog, as you can expect. Mm. It was directed by this guy from the Netherlands, I think, and they brought it to the UK and he's kind of famous for being quite unflinching with special effects on set and stuff so it was it was like really well done i think and the actor james norton was fucking amazing all the actors were but i think it just remind it actually just reminded me of all the like of the problems i had with the book and i know i'm in the minority here big time i think she's such a beautiful writer but there almost comes a point where like you can't cry anymore because it, like the suffering is just getting so gratuitous to me that I'm like, I'm actually past the point of finding this heartbreaking and I'm just finding it like sadistic slash yeah. somehow unrealistic, which I, again, I know most people don't feel that way. I, I kind of, I get what you mean. I think what I loved about the book was the writing for sure. Mm. Um, but I agree with you. I got basically halfway and was like, could be done. I mean, I can't I like, enough. <laughs> yeah, I can't actually remember what else happens. But yeah. But basically, it's like you're watching it and something happens and then something happens and then something happens. And at the start, you're like, this is so heartbreaking and like cycles of trauma and thing. And then it, it just gets to a point where the shit becomes kind of deranged. And I'm like, I feel like no one talks about that part of it. I think everyone has such a soft spot for it because they love her yeah. writing and love her and want to support it. But it's it's fucking crazy. The amount of like car crashes and it's such a random book to have gone off for us for all the girlies to be like sharing like a trend. There's actually when I looked it up, um, been some criticism of it for how it portrays gay men, like that it's a very old fashioned idea of just heaping suffering on gay men over and over and over again but mm. I don't that's know. interesting and less depressing news yes and less depressing <laughs> news specifically for those who live in nam and melbourne <laughs> australia you beautiful girlies get a discount code a special little discount code to liz kingsman's one woman show which we're doing directly yes. through liz because we love her no sponsorship this time just the girls supporting the girls <laughs> She said, she emailed us, she messaged us and just said that she's doing this little mini run of shows for two weeks in Melbourne. It started on April 11th um, and she's just producing it herself. So wanted to know and said like she was so grateful for all the girls that came in Sydney and then said she wanted to know if we would share a discount code. And originally she wanted it to be, she wanted the code to be girlies. Yay. But the box office was being so annoying, so they just set up an actual <laughs> discount link, which I have put on Afterwork Drinks podcast Instagram account. If you don't follow us, what are you doing? And I saved it in the highlights, so you can click Gorgeous. through there. A Share special night mom. out at the theatre. A happy night. Share it with your friends. Link up with some AWD girls. So many people messaged, and they were like, "God damn, um, we've already bought tickets. We should." Just like mention a pub or something nearby and be like, if you're an AWD girly, have drinks there beforehand. Yeah, actually, if someone, if someone in Melbourne can find a cute organize pub that near the venue, <laughs> then we'll, we'll share, share it. it. 
No, because someone also said, someone also DM'd us and said, any other AWD girls going on this night to link up with? And so I'm, al- I'm already facilitating. We're already liaising. So gorgeous. Can't wait to see, hear everyone's reactions. It is, as we have said multiple times, it is so good. So yes, you should go. very funny. Um, so that'll be a fun night out. <laughs> <laughs> so when I went to, for this road trip... I was trying to not listen to Case File, which lasted most of the way. <laughs> what did you crack with? It was an episode, actually, I think it was kind of a famous line. It was an episode about some guy called Bradley Murdoch in Australia or something who like went crazy and used to drive. He used to do a drug run from Alice Springs back to somewhere. Oh, yeah, the Wolf Creek guy. Is that the Wolf Creek That's guy? That's what Wolf Creek's based off, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's from WA, oh I think, God. so he's really famous. And when I grew up, everyone knew him. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I can't believe I just listened <laughs> to that. Not putting two and two together. I was like, this is crazy. Why does Australia have so many men who, like, stalk people in cars in the truck? Oh, my God. I feel like <laughs> trauma forming that I had listened to that yesterday. It was it was two hours long. And that's why we were like, this is such a long episode. It- it, that's the Peter Falconio murder, right? That, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that was fucking huge when I was growing up. So I had never heard of any of this. Yeah, but I think it, I think Wolf Creek was an amalgamation of this and and one other, and Ivan Milat. So it's a mix. Oh my of both. god! But yeah, yeah, it's a horrible story. And they didn't believe his gorgeous little wife. Yeah. I know. It made me think about um, Amanda Knox when I was in the car. I was like, justice for Amanda Knox. The media is so crazy, (laughs) pinning it on the girls because they're like forgetting a few bits and pieces and wearing cute t-shirts. I know. God forbid you be cute and have a heinous crime committed to you. The media (laughs) is like, okay, let's ruin her life even more. The media is like absolute whore. So yeah, they um, we cracked and listened to that, and it was it was a good one because we were driving and we were driving like at night, so it was scary. Terrible. (laughs) So brave. Such a brave girl. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I put up a thing asking for podcast recs and in a really hilarious fashion, pretty much every podcast rec was something that I couldn't listen with my boyfriend in the car because he would like throw a fit. 
They all sound so good, but they all sound so silly. Um, But a couple of people said in the Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling, which reminds, which reminded me that I meant to speak to you about this once I'd finished it. Um, And this is the podcast series that came out like in February, I think. And it's a seven part series. Um, And it is the first long form interview J.K. Rowling has given first proper kind of thing she's really said other than releasing her big essay about it right about Mm -hmm. the trans conversation and um her being kind of labeled since 2019 when she released the first of two tweets kind of queen turf by the world um and becoming like this basically the most famous face of like the anti-trans movement i remember like hearing the podcast go back and and outline the timing of her tweets and the initial tweets it just reminded me so much I remember being with you at the wing this was pre-covid and her tweeting about it and I remember literally never face crumbling (laughs) but I just remember not even getting what she was talking about which like we'll go into still not getting but like the this idea of a a turf trans exclusion that was so out of my field of like vocabulary or reference or understanding it was just not in the culture in any way like I think that was the biggest one of the biggest takeaways I had was how much her tweeting and being the face of this has turned this into like a fucking culture wars a hot topic conversation it just wasn't and maybe it would have become inevitably in some way but like that tweet really is the start of all of this exactly and I think we'll get into this We'll get into it as we discuss the podcast, but I think that kind of is like the crux of it in a way. I think mm. um, so <laughs> to for a bit of personal background, which I'm not sure how much I've ever talked about it on the podcast, but like millions and millions of other kids worldwide, I was the biggest Harry Potter fan in the world, <laughs> like lining up outside of the bookstores before the before the stores open it was the reason I wanted to become a writer Mm -hmm. like there are so many listening to this podcast as well it really like hams home just how like life-changing and and world-altering that series was for our Mm. generation specifically like when I grew up I'm pretty sure I grew up at the same age as as Harry Potter I remember being like 11 when he when the first book came out I think Mm. I I need to like check that in my brain I was anyway I was like where's my Hogwarts (laughs) letter virtually 11 um spiritually 11 and yeah it just being like something that for my entire life I kept going back to like it wasn't just a childhood thing it was something I continued to read the books as I got older and older I got my Harry Potter Deathly Hallows tattoo (laughs) you're like whispering it (laughs) when I was like 22 or something like at it old enough to like not be a kid anymore and not be super obsessed with the books in that way but but literally got that tattoo as thinking you should get something meaningful to you there is nothing more meaningful to you than these this book series that made you want to become a writer and like yeah that you love more than anything so I think with this JK Rowling thing when this happened Similar, like so many other people listening, I'm sure, and and like millions and millions of people just, it felt, it was the first instance I'd ever had and still have ever had of just being like, 
that kind of I, I hadn't understood and I've just been thinking about it recently that problematic faves thing in like a deep level like in 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 the level of like someone who was obsessed with Michael Jackson right I feel like that's mm. like the other best example someone who grew mm-hmm. up with Michael Jackson was obsessed with him was his hero and then fi- and then hear about this like pedophile stuff and that's like why some people still don't choose to believe it today because they can't um and then I think it's been funny because I completely switched like I'm getting my tattoo removed I completely like stopped trying to think or care about the books and like obviously not align myself in any way with JK Rowling because of these harmful views and the way she's expressing them um and the damage that like just does to the to the to trans people um and then it's been funny because in recent months before this podcast even came out this new Harry Potter game came out Mm. and so there's kind of been like this talk about like or I think I saw an article somewhere of if is it possible to love Harry Potter or to separate Harry Potter from JK Rowling and I've been just thinking about that in the background of my brain um and I played the game I haven't bought it but I played the game at a friend's house and it felt like going back letting yourself go back to your childhood and have so much fun and then afterwards I felt this huge sense of um like shame so much so that I called my best friend who was also a Harry Potter lover and I called her and I was just like I feel really just like gross that I'm um letting myself like I don't know just it just it felt wrong and she was like, my thing with it, she has two young kids. And she was like, my thing with it is I wouldn't buy anything that she, um, like I wouldn't buy the game because that's making money. That's like giving her money, which she's then spending on like these resources that are harmful to, tra- to the trans community. I think I feel like I'm getting too deep before we've even gotten into the podcast, <laughs> but this is like all before I listened to the podcast. Mm. And, um, but she still wants her children to like know about Harry Potter Well, this is like, I think I've revised my thinking on this a lot from when I even think about, I even think about how I used to feel very hardline about like anyone who, yeah, was, was quote unquote problematic needing to disown their work or detach yourself from their work or ruining their work for you. And I've kind of revised that opinion, I think in part because I, I have this slightly like woo-woo belief about about creativity and art that like the people that write it are just vessels. Like I'm like, I kind of feel like ideas and shit floats around in the ether and like some people are like picked to deliver it out. I think the, the people involved are like surplus to requirement and our obsession with artists and turning them into demigods and putting them on pedestals is like kind of insane um, because I think a lot of it is accidental. And I think mm. – you shouldn't feel the need to disown or separate yourself from something that's so meaningful to you and holds such an important place for you. You can't undo that. Like you can't undo years of like childhood love and like developing a passion for reading. And all of that stuff to me exists completely outside of JK Rowling. What's difficult I think is the it's easier to do with like for me for example I feel like I had this experience with loving like Woody Allen and Roman Polanski movies and just being like I have no idea how to get my head around this (laughs) and then Mm -hmm. just deciding like I don't care I love them and I'm like I have a special relationship with them and that's my thing but like that's illegally downloading a movie is very different to like lining the pockets of a, a billionaire that's like 
currently doing this stuff. I think that's what's so hard about JK Rowling is that money is so tied to it and it's so directly tied to her. So like it, you are making a decision with your wallet <laughs> when you engage with it. So, and also like from my, what I think is like, you can't, we're not far enough along in this to separate the two. Mm-hmm. And she has like become whether she likes it or not, or whether she admits it or not, this figure of this figurehead that means this, thing that is very harmful to so many people so it's like for me to be like oh I just love the books in my like insanely Mm -hmm. privileged position to then like share anywhere publicly that I'm like playing this game or that I'm reading the books again I think that that is I don't don't actually think that's okay I think it's okay to have like Mm -hmm. your special personal relationship with it but I just think Mm -hmm. that that's really I, I thought I literally was in like this I was in this like like it's crazy state when I was playing that game and then posted on my Instagram story, like just literally a close up of like riding on the Quidditch, riding a broom um, stick playing Quidditch. And then I, and then I felt sick to my stomach. Cause so I was like, I literally have trans friends who will see that and who would just be like, great. Like you can just ignore the fact that we're like fighting for our basic human rights to like, you know, it just, it just, it's too, it's, I don't think that's okay. I think it's like super privileged to do that. Well, it's just more of a like, yeah, the game is interesting because it's like under what other circumstance now would anyone feel the need to post anything aligning themselves with Harry Potter? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, the the game is like massive. And then now they're talking about like releasing another show or something. Um, But anyway, back to the, to the podcast series. So I actually found it, yeah, really emotional to listen to, to even like hear the music and to, and I think I come into it with the position of like so many Harry Potter fans where you do want to, and I think this is why I really wanted to speak about it on the pod, because I think with someone like this, you do come into it, whether you like think you do or not with this kind of sympathetic not sympathetic view but just I you I want to understand her like I as you say Mm. I think we give too much weight to like the creators of these things and I think if we viewed it from your perspective then it's like she created this thing but this doesn't mean that she's this I think I you people look at her as being this incredibly smart like like, a genius yeah 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 genius and so it's like she must have some valid points to this or you want to you want to like listen to her more than you would listen to other people you hold so much Mm. more space to her than you would to like say trump if there was a seven episode series of him talking about why he wanted to like build a wall yeah and and she positioned herself for so long as like someone she's very much like a relic of that kind of obama era feminist uh icon where you know she would go like even that speech at harvard that they played her talking, she felt like someone, you know, the first uh, billionaire to lose billionaire status because they gave so much money to charity. She felt like this person that was like emblematic of what it meant to be a good like left wing, you know, feminist, stick by your values no matter how hard it is. Like her and Emma Watson kind of had those similar vibes, I think, where we we as teenage girls saw them as icons and people we wanted to emulate and I think that makes it so much more confusing and I think I've had the same thing as you're talking about of 
and 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 like trans people who interviewed in the um podcast talk about of like wanting to just think <laughs> like give her the most charitable reading or like give her extra space or make excuses for it or just hope that like if something is explained to her in the right way um she'll get it and everything will be fine and i think that that yeah in and of itself becomes dare i say problematic <laughs> yeah or just i think i think so when i was listening to this the biggest thought I wanted to like share or just the biggest like I'm gonna sound like I'm like I don't know I don't want to sound like I'm like teaching or preaching or like trying to come (laughs) come across as I like as if I like know more but I just mean like I think I really have to interrogate things like this in this level of like how is this being presented to me why is Mm -hmm. it being presented in this way why did JK Rowling say yes to doing this series why is it called the witch trials of JK? Why is it called the witch trials of JK Rowling? Like that's fucked <laughs> I, on the offset. Like really, really kind of with everything these days, but like specifically with things like this, where we are coming at it from like, and where we sit in the, in the fight as well. It's like, we're, it's like looking at your privileges, your biases, like the way it's being constructed. It was a seven episode series and not until like one of the final episodes did they have two trans people speaking about the other side and throughout the other five episodes, like when you actually listen to it, it was it was really angering to me because it was like giving JK Rowling all this entire narrative and then playing things that like spoke to her narrative, really fringe, really like terrifying, like random cases that they could find that supported her argument never questioning it never jumping in and like pushing back on anything she said and I was just like and I'm I'm with you which I do agree that like or I or I'd like to think that if you had two people in a room with really opposing views that like you could maybe come out with you could maybe get somewhere and I think that that was kind of what they tried to say that the premise of this was they were trying to like have this discussion that talked about these like really meaty topics and kind of got through to like JK in some way or like helped us understand in some way. But it's like that just was never the offset of the whole thing because it was like JK Rowling, who was an expert on, on her, this side of the fight. And then some interviewer who's clearly not an expert on the trans side and not using any, like I just, it just felt like, it was giving her so much space to say everything she wanted to say without challenging like any of it. And it felt really, really harmful to me. Yeah. I, 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 my first reaction listening to it is I, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel as strongly about it as you do. I I didn't feel that she uh, didn't grill her or push her at all. And I did feel like they did go to lengths to, to, give relevant context and to like push back on points that JK Rowling was talking about. However, I think it was done in a very limited way. And I think the podcast had, so basically the post is Megan Phelps Roper, who's like semi-famous because she did this TED talk a few years ago about leaving the Westboro Baptist Church. Um, And she used to be 
one of their fucking bazillion kids, the founder's kids, and would go picket the funerals and like be disgusting. And then she would go on Twitter and then through Twitter, she met her husband and he engaged in like critical conversation with her and made her change her mind. And now she's like a champion for compassionately engaging with people on the other side of the aisle, which I'm being like snarky about. I think it is a real thing in I just think there are so many fucking people in the world that confuse Twitter with real life. It like does my head in like, and Mm. I'm pretty sure that's kind of the premise of this like entire show is assuming that how people talk on Twitter is how the average person feels about. Yes. So like, for example, the amount of like (laughs) the amount of tweets they read out that were like threatening and um, what is it like just. Like trolling, yeah, they were disgusting. The the shit that J.K. Rowling's had, yeah, yeah, like they they read it it continued for like three minutes of them reading out vile tweets that have been sent to J.K. Rowling, and it's like this that alone. Natalie Wynn from Contrapoints was like, "I've had death threats and like anything you can imagine on Twitter, I've had hurled at me." And then she was like, "Oh," (laughs) I was like, "Why isn't she getting the fucking treatment of like this is how bad it is for trans people in the same way?" Yeah, she's one of the one of the two trans people that spoke on the podcast against jk rowling yeah exactly like that sort of stuff is was really frustrating to listen to and i just think yeah the way that her perspective just dominates the whole podcast mm-hmm. is is really frustrating and and it's obviously the only reason she chose to do the podcast the only reason she chose to do it is because megan specifically was going to host it um so she knew the way it was going to be presented and yeah, it's just like it's easy to think of a podcast as being like a conversation, but it's not because it's constructed and it's like an argument, like a documentary or a memoir. And it, and it's just like kind of impossible to separate the two. And I yeah, I think like at the heart of it, like what and as the trans guests themselves were saying, like there is need for nuanced conversations around some of the th- points J.K. Rowling brings up. Like, neither of us are saying in yeah. here that she's, like, absolutely, absolute fruit loop freak with, like, not, no <laughs> grounds to say anything she's saying. Sure, there is need for nuanced conversation. Yeah, that was the thing I had, but, like, when she wrote her essay, we talked about it, and I was I had really not understood her perspective at all. And I remember reading the whole thing and being like, okay, I kind of, like – like the the basis of an ideology is like this idea which is rooted in a very kind of specific era of feminism that we have fought so hard for the like the hard-earned rights of like women's spaces like domestic violence shelters which it's true our generation takes for granted and didn't even fucking exist until the 70s and like even like making women's bathrooms which you know used to be like the source of like more crime in the past i don't fucking know safer like the the basis of that what she's saying her concern is is that like predatory cis men will use any loopholes they can find to harm women and there has been cases of that happening in jail that's just like uh indisputable fact but it's been like two people out of, <laughs> like to understand how insanely small that is in terms of a target thing it's like 0.000 and like that should not happen whatsoever but there are strategic legal uh whatever legal scientific like experts who can just work this shit out quietly without it being this hot button topic issue that you're acting yeah as if 
is a moral crusade of your era and is like setting women back in the part like like the way she is framing it she's framing them a as if they're like much bigger problems than they are and b using these throwaway lines like as you've said to me like but if i'm wrong i'm wrong and like hopefully this isn't really a problem and i'm really well researched on this and it's like this acting as if what she's saying doesn't have consequences and as if she doesn't understand the context of what's going on which is like fucking the degree to which like trans rights are being eroded all over the world she's like not speaking out about that like very obviously and intentionally (laughs) and she is speaking out about this and that in and of itself is like that's your stance and i it was really frustrating that megan the host didn't push her on that stuff because i think she should have said to her well like these people agree with you that like trans women in sport is nuanced and deserves further conversation do you still feel the same way like (laughs) i think that's that's one of the parts that i found the most frustrating about the podcast was like it just felt like gaslighting the way that jk rowling was like i have read all the books i have done all the research i want to be wrong but i am not and then it's like she and then she's saying like but i have listened to the side and it's just like (laughs) if you'd listen to the side if you really cared about this community the way you say you care about this the way you keep saying you care about this community then there is no way in hell you would write those two tweets and fire them out on a platform filled with hate and bigotry and stand by it today like the way that she says she she the way that she tried to say something like you know whenever you think you're completely right she kept repeating that whenever you think you're completely right you're probably wrong but then stood by those mm. tweets and the way she delivered it despite the harm and it's caused and despite the full like culture wars that it kicked off to this day it's like the trans guests said themselves yeah there is need for nuanced conversations around some of these topics from experts trans people and those in the field but like none of those conversations are happening when someone posts like whooping on twitter and just Twitter in general, I just think that the way that Twitter has eroded the brains of so many people is is so insane to me. And I just think that, like, the, the division that people are having and why some people are having empathy with J.K. Rowling after this podcast is because there is obviously a big division between being able to hate someone clearly when they post a tweet and there's like this huge distance and sitting and hearing them speak. And I think people are mistaking that basic human empathy for like thinking that her perspective is valuable or has points to it. And I think that what she does on Twitter is align herself with people very clearly align herself with people who have very radically anti-trans views, which she herself is very careful not to like verbalize exactly, but it's very clear from the way she's deciding to use that platform, whose points she agrees with. And I think that's the thing that bothered me the most about the interviewer was this refusal to go a little bit deeper or push a bit deeper about the essence of what she actually believes. Because she would say things like, you know, I read Simone de Beauvoir and therefore I think sex is immutable. So it's like, okay, do you do you believe that like <laughs> trans women deserve to yeah. be called women? Yeah. Yes or no? Exactly. Like that was never asked ever. And so it looks like she obfuscates from what her real – opinions are by saying i'm just worried that like we're like 
transitioning children too young or we shouldn't be giving puberty blockers at a certain age and it's just like you are the last person to weigh in on this conversation like trans children like parents of trans children doctors like there's other people having these conversations you do not need to be involved in it that's what really frustrated me is that she kept being like there is no conversation to be had you know it's like so authoritarian Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's just not fucking true. That's just her experience being on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, being on fucking Twitter. And it's also like, that's just not true in the world at all. If you go digging anywhere, trans people are so generous in how much they are, in how much they are like willing to speak and willing to answer stupid questions. Like the two trans people who came on this podcast were like subjected to, to the most insane questions from Megan, Mm -hmm. which like proved to me how little she should be like hosting this podcast and how little it's like, she just couldn't challenge JK on these points because she doesn't know enough about the topic. It's like if we fucking went to interview JK Rowling on it and it's like, it's just, it's not, that's doesn't, it's not, you're not going to like get anywhere. There are conversations everywhere. There is like actual full studies and full statistics and full facts, like completely showing that her bathroom theory like her bathroom, like really scare-tactory, fear-mongering theory is like either not true at all or like absolutely completely fringe so much so that it's like, why are we focusing on this and not focusing on like how 70% of sexual assaults are by someone a woman knows? Like, is that not something you would rather focus on as being like an actual victim of like domestic violence? And it's also just like the bathroom thing has always been such a logical a logically confusing argument to me. It's also so stupid. I'm like, do you think there's a man standing outside the bathroom being like, are you a man or a woman before you go in? Like if a man wants to go into a a bathroom just to assault a woman, he's going to just go into the bathroom. (laughs) And you've never needed to, yeah, like showcase or discuss your gender beforehand to get into a, like, it's just so, that whole argument is just fucking insane. Like the self ID laws in Scotland were like criticized as like, like, you know proven to be some validity to how that should be executed but again they're like niche cases where like the the legal logistics need to be ironed out that's sorry just go back to the no conversation thing because i feel like she pushes that the whole time yeah and she like and 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 i found it just so damaging how they they, they basically were just playing clips from like saying that anytime feminists try to meet to talk about trans rights there's like trans people with balaclavas like attacking them that's what they literally had on the podcast. I'm like, people can take away from this podcast like the most insane stuff if they don't then go and do their own research. And like, yeah, there are just so many nuanced pieces, so many nuanced conversations about it from people who actually know. And like, for example, even just like if you listen to the podcast and didn't think about it or go to like, I don't know, question it, you wouldn't even see that ContraPoints, Natalie, who's one of who's like the most eloquent person and who really should have been speaking to JK Rowling directly said it was a serious lapse of judgment to ever go on that podcast and like wrote this huge long piece about how damaging it is. And if, if, if these discussions do get heated, it's because it's like trans people are literally still fighting for their lives. Like it is so dangerous to use these fringe cases to push this, to push this like anti-trans agenda. And it's so crazy to me that JK Rowling doesn't see her part in it at all. Like she said, she was literally like, Someone messaged her saying that her speaking about these has like has meant that police are like less likely to investigate like this trans murder. And she was like, connect the dots. Like how on earth? And I was like, what do you literally mean? Like it is so easy to connect the dots between like how much more fuel 
your rhetoric has given this anti-trans movement and like actual like violence i think like the to go back to the podcast like having a reason for existence it's worth explaining also like the context of how it was produced because it's Barry Weiss who's like a bit of a controversial figure she was a Washington Post op-ed editor and then she was brought over to the New York Times after Trump was elected because they were trying to like diversify their editorial staff more and she ended up quitting like in a kind of huge blaze of glory last year or the year before and wrote this like public resignation letter about how the New York Times had been co-opted by Twitter and she's kind of really built a niche for herself as like critiquing quote-unquote work culture and I just I just think this is another example in like the many list of people who I think would otherwise be very smart and brilliant and capable who've like kind of lost their brains on Twitter a little. She's launched a new news site called The Free Press and the whole idea is that they'll go there and talk about things other people aren't willing to talk about. And like, this is their first big podcast that they've launched. And I think that that is all very intentional. And I think that what has happened is because everything now, <laughs> everything now on the internet, which I just hate and makes you want to just live in a hut, is that everything is so reactionary to something else. And it's like the only way people can... It's like the substack economy. The only way that people can get noticed and make money for their opinions and like go outside the norm and blah, 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 is by saying something that feels red hot and outrageous and reactionary and willing to go there and say something that no one else will say. And this whole narrative of like free speech is dead and no one can have conversations anymore and there's no nuance in the world and J.K. Rowling gets like pilloried and ostracized from society for saying like basic basic facts that are you know not controversial um that is the reason that this podcast exists (laughs) and they never would have pursued it or published it and jk rowling never would have agreed to an interview if it was going to ultimately prove that there was like merit to why people are angry with her (laughs) so i think that Mm -hmm. that to me just seeps through as much as i do want to give the host Like, I think she was very well-intentioned and I know intentions aren't everything. And at the end of the day, like the end product and its impact is what matters. I don't think it was done in this gotcha journalism, cynical way. But I do think that this like obsession with wanting to call out and critique woke culture as like a new personal brand or as a new form of like making money is a huge part of like why this exists (laughs) for sure and it's it's kind of interesting because i'm like like i do feel i think we've all felt before that there is validation to the fact that like people can't have nuanced conversations online and like you know the platform of twitter and instagram is not a great place for having discussions um but i think we're kind of a few years into that and most of us have a i don't know have a pretty good sense of like what you see on twitter doesn't reflect how the average person thinks or feels and that people are far more capable of like interesting yeah nuanced thought than we appear to be online so i almost feel like its own argument is kind of (laughs) moot yeah 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 i think just 
yeah, my like main takeaway was just if you care about the community you say you care about, there is no way you would have posted those tweets in the first place in that really uncaring, really harmful, really dangerous way. Um, or stand by them now. And <laughs> yeah, as you say, just like, I think it's just the way that she's, yeah, engaging with really, 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 really anti-trans people online, like retweeting posts from people whose views are crazy. And it's like trans people are obviously seeing this. Like, Well, there was aware. that whole thing in New Zealand. You probably saw that fucking Parker Posey or whatever, whatever her name is, lunatic. <laughs> Um, came to New Zealand to speak and there was literally like um, neo-Nazis at her rally and they did a salute on the uh, steps of Melbourne Parliament and J.K. Rowling was retweeting stuff in support of her and saying that she'd been viciously attacked for being a feminist in Australia. Like that's where she stands on the issue. It's like a very sanitized, watered-down version of her views that people heard in that podcast. Exactly. Yeah, I just, I like, just don't, I genuinely don't believe her when she says she cares about trans people at all. I think what she does, and I think she does it really uh, cleverly, and, um, you know, she's an intelligent woman. I think what she's doing is she's dog whistling because she's saying things um, outwardly and on this podcast and, you know, publicly, um that do appeal to women and to feminists because we're like god well we don't want a man being able to dress up as a woman and come into our space or she'll talk about as we've already said policies that trans people themselves have said are worth discussing she's using those points to kind of make herself sound like she is in the right and that what she's saying is valid and um you know, not crazy and she's not a turf and all of these things because what she's pointing out on this podcast and publicly are things that people can in some ways agree with. But what she's doing is she's actually signaling to, as you say, like liking people on Twitter who have really, really strong, really public anti-trans views. She's signaling to this anti-trans movement um, covertly. And refusing to answer really simple questions that if you weren't a TERF, if you did truly believe in trans rights, you would be able to answer whether you believe trans women are women. You wouldn't accidentally call yourself a TERF at one point in the podcast, as she did. And you wouldn't interact with these people who have very strong, very hateful, very dangerous views towards trans people. And I think that's just like the bottom line of it all. The best point that was made in that whole podcast was made by JK Rowling herself, which is she said... At the end, like, no one thinks there are, you know, the character everyone hates the most in Harry Potter is uh, Professor Umbridge. And the thing about her is no one ever thinks that they're an Umbridge. Like, no one, everyone, when they're doing things that are harmful or spouting ideologies that are harmful, thinks that they're being righteous and good people and that they're rallying for a cause and that they're just being persecuted. And that was the interesting thing about all this, like, religious conversation. Like, they think they're being persecuted for trying to do the right thing for society and they cannot see outside of it and see the harm they're doing. And J.K. Rowling so strongly believes that the people that critique her are the umbrage, whereas, like, (laughs) my biggest takeaway from the whole thing, I was like, this is just so ironic because she just just cannot get outside of herself and see it and it's it's kind of tragic. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, yeah. Twitter has ruined so many people's, like, brains. 
Oh, she feels like she sits in Twitter all day and just like gets fed this shit. Yeah. She's in such a huge rabbit hole of like freaking out about the most insane things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a frustrating listen. And I think, yeah, always just like reminding ourselves of our privileges as cis white women in this, in this and like thinking about this from a trans perspective you know, just how frustrating the whole thing would be for you to just have to listen to this when you're like, just to even to have to listen. I just, I'm just like, God, like mm. you'd just be like banging your head against a wall. Cause you're just like, we're literally fighting for like our basic human rights. And it just, and it just like the most marginalized community in the entire world. And this fucking author is still trying to say yeah, that she cares. <laughs> Or just still trying to paint herself as the like the victim of it. I think that's what's so interesting about this era is like people because of literally because of Twitter, because you you can be on the barrage end of like reading hate stuff about yourself, which I a hundred percent think would be extremely not just awful, but like traumatic and hideous. This like the dog pile that she's had and the nature of a lot of the stuff is fucked up. Um but I think yeah, th- th- this inability to like see yourself and your level of power and the influence that you wield culturally and only see yourself as like, which is a very human thing, but like that fucking power comes with a huge amount of responsibility and that influence. So many people now it feels like are incapable of like separating their immediate feelings and reactions in the moment from like the broader implications that comes with the power that they have. Um and I, yeah, I just, yeah, it's, it's just a shame because she seems like an intelligent person. Um, okay, we must wrap up a long, <laughs> wielding conversation, a serious episode. Let me read out a couple of the other more chill ricks that aren't Wolf Creek or about J.K. Rowling <laughs> briefly. <laughs> So someone suggested Talk Easy, how author Jenny O'Dell discovered a life beyond the clock. Love. Where I oh, I also listened to a good episode on Today in Focus about AI and Chat GPT and everything. I feel like we should talk about Chat GPT next week. Yeah, I'm actually so interested in it. Zach's always making it do dumb shit on my computer. Well, this person on Today in Focus asked ChatGPT, fed ChatGPT all its favorite food and all its fa- all, all his favorite food and all his favorite recipes and the recipes he likes to cook and said, come up with a bunch of new things for me to cook at home this week. And he made really good recipes for him. Yum. So obviously I'm going to do that. Yeah, it's special. I want to ask ChatGPT to organize my day. Just like, these are the things I have to get done in a day. I feel most... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Motivated in the morning, but I also want to exercise in the morning, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> This is how many times I need to eat and get him to make my schedule. It was like the new Bing that they are unveiling and it was like the best search engine fucking ever. So excited. Google so shit. Yeah, we also I also listened to an episode with the Google guy and he was just like, didn't want to admit that they'd fucked up. <laughs> they haven't changed the formula for like 20 years. I'm sick of it. I know. <laughs> I still use it. Except for when they do like special things over Christmas and they'll put like a little Santa on the O. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Was it? Was that the only one? Talk easy. Oh, so no. I just kind of then started talking about today in focus. <laughs> Someone said just the gist. I'm just recommending stuff that I haven't listened to. The Imperfects. Celebrity Memoir Book Club episode about Yolanda's Lyme disease. Definitely need to listen to that. Yes. None of these could I could play with my boyfriend in the car, but yes. Sadly. Sadly. Okay. Gorgeous. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.